Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Thanks so much, PG. Some amazing things happening. And one of the things that I want to celebrate is Movement Youth kicked off this past Wednesday, and it was amazing. If you've got kids between the ages of sixth grade and 12th grade, you want to make sure that they are a part of what's happening. It was so fun to pop in last week and just see what God is doing. Tremendous leaders this year. We've had tremendous leaders in the past as well. I'm not insinuating that. I'm just saying like it's a great group of leaders and students. And so make sure that they're part of that. Neva, I don't know where you are, but that was inspirational today. Right over here. Amazing. (laughs) Proud of you. That takes a lot of courage to do what you did. That was great. And then finally, before I jump into the message, I was standing backstage and Rachel was coming out to bring out this Jenga game, which we'll uh, play a little later today uh, in the message. But she's, as Pastor Dan's talking about all the small groups, she's like, my Lanta, this is like a cheesecake factory menu, you know, <laughs> two pages of appetizers, eight pages of entrees. So listen, if you can't find a small group to be a part of uh, this fall based off of all of those options, I don't, I don't know what to tell you except for just find one and be part of of it. Well, I've got to brag on our church for uh, this past week and brag on God's church. And uh, we've had a week that I hope we never match or ever exceed. We had three different funerals here at our church. And so Landry uh, Burgart, Doyle Wagner, and Bill Bright. And in the midst of mourning their loss, the body of Christ was able to come together and serve families and, uh, and honor their lives and glorify God through that. And I'll just tell you, it took an army of people. They were three very large funerals. And so that's not just something that one person can handle. It took an entire army of people to do so. I wanna say thank you to the care team and all of you who are a part of that, each of you who showed up to serve and host in in some form or capacity, for those of you who baked goods, and for others of you who just showed up to be emotional support uh, for people, uh, I, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. God's church served with excellence this past week, and he was glorified. There are a couple of special things to note with Landry's funeral. We partnered with St. Matthew's Zion out of Reedland, and Pastor Rabari preached that service. And, uh, and Pastor Derek from Chi Alpha came up and shared, and Pastor Madison shared. And it was just beautiful to see the unified church come to together to honor the life of someone and to glorify God. Later in the week on Wednesday, Pastor Gary from Des Moines, he's a huge part of our church at the very beginning. Uh, He has a strong relationship with us, strong relationship with Doyle and Linda, and he came and preached one of the best funeral messages that I've ever heard. I mean, it was was absolutely amazing. Linda's raising her hand back there. So many of you have, have said the same thing. It was a beautiful tribute to his life, and then to be able to come together on Friday night and honor Bill Bright and see his grandkids uh, come up and speak amazing words and and lead us in a song of worship. It was just powerful. And so I feel like I've been to church now four times, three funerals, first service, and I'm just filled up today. And so honestly, a week like this could, could exhaust a person, but I'm just, honestly, I'm filled up and I'm excited to preach what God has for us today. Uh, it, it, we're gonna start a new series 
And I know it's not January 1st, it's not the beginning of the year, and I'm not gonna talk about new year, new resolutions, but I do think at the start of the school year, right, you and I start school on Monday, and uh, Waverly Shell Rock and the surrounding communities begin school on Wednesday, and I think it's just a time for us to reflect, and it's a season where we can evaluate where we are. As PG said in the announcement, summer is over, oh, you know, it's over, but where are we at? Where do we hope to be? be. And there are some of you who are super excited uh, to start school tomorrow on Wednesday. Some of you are like, it's been a long summer. It's been boring. I've been away from my friends and I can't wait to see my friends again, right? There are some of you who were like, my summer was so boring. My brain was not stimulated at all. I can't wait to crack open a textbook and begin reading hundreds of pages and go ahead and write those papers and engage in discussion posts. How many of you are out there? For some of you parents, it was a long summer. And Wednesday can't come soon enough. And you're gonna drop your kids off and you are gonna laugh hysterically. <laughs> you're gonna be like, those teachers, that staff, they don't have any idea what's about to happen to them. Some of you are gonna laugh so hard, you're gonna cry, your mascara is gonna be smeared, you're gonna show up to work or home and somebody's gonna think you've had an emotional moment and they won't even know the half of it. Our baby starts college tomorrow. How does that even happen, you know? Like there are some of you who it's gonna be an emotional experience for you. Some of you have taken your kids off to college and dropped them off. Others of you are dropping your kids off at kindergarten. There's not much difference, you know, between those two moments. The anxiety, I'm not talking about the maturity of the student, I'm talking about the anxiety. My wife is like, I mean, not my wife, Lord have mercy. My daughter was like, and, you know, I wish you could have seen that face. I'm not talking about the maturity of the kid. I'm talking about the emotion of the parents. You would think after 12 years, you know, we could trust God with our kids in kindergarten. We can trust God with our kids in college. But the emotion is strong uh, for that. Some of you are depressed because you hate school and you've got to start back this week and you're faced with the reality of that. I wanna take the next few weeks and talk about how this academic year, or for those of you who don't have kids in school and you're not in school or part of education at all, this season can have purpose. And if you allow it, this academic year or this season can be a time where your relationship with Jesus can grow and thrive. Can you imagine if all of us at all times were committed to our growth and our relationship with God? The incremental steps over time would net huge results. And so this morning, I would encourage all of us to take a summer assessment, see where we're at, see where we wish we were, see where we wanna go and how do we get there, right? There's some new construction happening in a subdivision on the way to my house. And over the last couple of weeks there have, as I've driven to work and as I've gone home, I've seen some dirt being moved. Presumably there's been a basement that's been dug, the dirt's been piled up and in that hole that you can't see from the road, I'm sure that they've put forms in there to form, to pour the basement. And then after some time, they've had to let the basement cure and let that foundation cure. And from the road, you can't see any of the work or the progress that's taken place, but you know that there's progress happening. And one of the reasons that you know that there's progress that's been made is because this last week, in a matter of two days, the entire house was framed and roofed. You can see that from the road. And here's what I believe is that if we'll allow God to work on our foundation, at times, people won't be able to see it from the street. 
Those closest to you won't be able to see it, but eventually there will be a house of faith that will be erected that people will say, that's something that I wanna have. The foundation is so important. And if you can, if, if the home builders could have shortcut that process, if they would have tried, then the house would have collapsed on itself. It would have come crumbling down. The place that we're gonna start in this series this morning is with the foundation of our faith. And if we don't get this step right, then our whole house of faith will come crumbling down. So this morning, we're gonna talk about the foundation. There's a nursery rhyme that I'm sure all of you are familiar with, and I'm gonna ask you to help me say it today. It's the three little pigs. What happened? The first little pig built his house out of straw and the wolf came and he said, let me in. And the pig said, not by the hair, my chinny chin, chin. That's right. And the wolf said, well, I'm gonna huff and puff and blow your house down. And you know what he did? And that little piggy scrammed, right? He went to his brother's house that was built out of twigs and the wolf comes up and he says, wow, Fairway is running a special on bacon. It's two for one today. <laughs> he said, let me in. And the pig said, not by the, on my chinny chin, chin. And the wolf said, well, I'm gonna huff and I'm gonna puff and I'm going to. And he did. And both of them fled to the third piggy's house that was built out of brick. And the wolf says, let me in. And the piggies say, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And the wolf huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he could not blow that house down. The wolf left in anger. The nursery rhyme is obviously for kids and the language is toned down. But when you look below the surface of this nursery rhyme, the wolf's intent was to destroy and to devour. He wanted to kill the pigs and eat them. And the enemy of our souls, the devil, wants to still kill and destroy. He is intent on destroying you and devouring you. But as followers of Jesus, we don't have to fear the enemy. The word of God is, is strength to us. And if you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to write down these verses to go back and reread them and memorize them. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse number four, it says, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. I encourage you to let that get into your spirit this morning. Paul writes in Romans chapter eight, verse number 37, know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We don't have to fear the devil because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We don't have to fall for the devil's schemes. We don't have to give in to him. We don't have to give up or give in. And I just wanna to say to the students in this room this morning, this academic year, you don't have to give up. You don't have to give in to the enemy. You can stand strong. Parents who are seeing your kids rebel against God and make sinful choices, don't give up and don't give in. Continue to battle in prayer for the salvation of your kids. And so what do we do as followers of Jesus when it comes to the enemy? We resist the devil and he'll flee. 
will resist the devil and he'll flee. James says in James chapter four, verse number seven, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Watch this in verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The scripture tells us that if we'll resist the devil, that he will flee. And I love how that verse follows up with draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. As we resist the devil, as we make movement towards God, he moves towards us. Greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. We're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. We can resist the devil and he'll flee. This isn't self-help babble. It's the word of God and it's powerful. And the devil can huff and puff. He can huff and puff. He can huff and puff, but he's not gonna blow our house down. Some of you say, I wish it was that easy. You might ask, how in the world do I get to the point in my life where I can resist the devil and how do we make it to there? We start by building a proper foundation. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for his teaching was to them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The Message Bible words this passage this way. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on the solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that it has to transform our lives. Lord, I pray that these verses would get deep into our spirits today, that you would help us to form a firm foundation of our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the passage that we just read, Jesus talks about the wise and the foolish person. How many of you wanna be wise this morning when you slip up your hands? Most of you, that's tremendous. I, I wanna be wise as well. And Jesus said the wise person builds their house on the rock, that when the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on the house, it did not fall. Why didn't it fall? It didn't fall because the house was built on the rock. Metaphorically speaking, who is or what is the rock? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 10, he says, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one of you take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus illustrated the importance of the foundation and Paul tells us that our foundation of our faith is Jesus. In Matthew, Jesus said that the wise person builds on the rock. Jesus goes on to talk about the foolish person, that the rain's gonna come, the the floods are gonna come, the, the winds are gonna blow against the house and he says there was a great fall of that house. How tragic. I found a video of something that happened this year that I think illustrates what what we're seeing in scripture. Let's take a look at it. Oh, there it goes, there it goes. Stunning images there, There there uh, to say the least. Unbelievable to watch the entire home crumbling there. Um, That is just one example of the severe flooding. That's crazy. It happened in Alaska this year. A house that they thought was built on a firm foundation was instead just on shifting sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew, the house was knocked down. May that not be a picture of any of our faith. As followers of Jesus, we're not immune from the rain. It falls on the just and the unjust. We're not immune from the floods and the wind. I've got this Jenga game up here. How many of you have ever played Jenga? Okay, we played it in our staff retreat last year. And like I'm... I have anxiety just looking at this because in that game, like it, we continue to stack it up high and uh, some of our uh, staff are vertically challenged and it was so high that, that they needed help and I hate losing, okay? And so, you know, like we're just tapping on this and we're just stacking it to the next level and we're trying to remember who won, and I think it was Lindsay that won, because if I would have won, we would know that I won, because I would tell you that I won, because I hate losing. You know, as we think about some of those scriptures that we looked at earlier in the passage from James, where it says, resist the devil and he'll flee, I think one of the greatest things that we could develop in our lives as followers of Jesus is resiliency, right? Like, as you look at this stack, look at how easy that block came out. And I wonder for how many of us in the room this morning or those listening online that the enemy comes up and he just, he just barely touches us. And all of a sudden holes are, are made in our building and of, of our faith. And even as the tower continues to grow, you can see that there are further holes that are just gonna lead to the instability of the building. And so on the outside, maybe it looks like things are all good. On the outside, things seem to be growing taller and taller, but you know in your heart that there are some pieces that keep getting knocked out. And the Bible tells us that we need to resist the devil and he'll flee. The rain's gonna fall. The flood's gonna come. The winds are gonna blow. And as followers of Jesus, in order for our faith to withstand the rain and the floods and the wind, we've gotta be built on a strong foundation. When our faith is built on Jesus, our faith will remain. I love that song that says our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. For this next season to have purpose, we have to make sure that our foundation is solid. 
And in order for us to build on Christ, number one, he must be our priority. He must be our priority. This can't be lip service, it has to be true. He is Lord, right? And there might be some of you who are like, well, I've never confessed him as Lord. I'm just telling you, he's Lord. He didn't need your permission to be Lord, right? He's not waking up one day going, man, I really hope that that person will call me the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords so then I can really be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's always been the King of Kings. He will always be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we get to submit to his Lordship. So how do we grow spiritually in this next season? We place Christ as our priority. We place him as our priority on Friday night. We place him as our priority on Saturday and Sunday morning and every other moment of every other day of the week. Jesus at the foundation of our faith informs the decisions that we make each day. We acknowledge Jesus as Lord in everyday decision. He informs what we believe how we behave, how we love, how we speak, how we work, how we show up, and how we think. When Jesus is not our priority, it begins to chip away at our faith, and it's evident, right? When Jesus isn't our priority, I talk about this morning, like we have a responsibility for ourselves. And as parents, we also have a responsibility in the discipleship of our children. Right, And so for us, we can give lip service to talking about how Jesus is the priority, but when we allow other things to take that place as priority, then it chips away at our faith. Oh, that's scary right there. And the longer that we go with Jesus not being our priority... then the more that gets chipped away. And eventually this tower becomes very wobbly. Again, as it's growing up below the surface, things are deteriorating. As you consider the assessment of your faith this morning, as you evaluate where you're at, is this a picture of your faith is Jesus your priority. We seek to honor Jesus rather than fulfill our own desires. And Paul understood this struggle so well in Romans chapter seven, verse number 15. He says, for I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. In other words, he says, the things that I should do, I don't, and the things that I shouldn't do, I do. And I'm just telling you that the longer that that describes the longer that that describes your life, where you don't conquer sin in your life, the more that the foundation of your faith begins to deteriorate. Christ must be our priority. If he's not, when the rain falls, when the floods come, when the winds blow, we'll be destroyed. Secondly, Christ must be our purpose. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter one, verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. For this next season to count, for our relationship to grow and for us to have purpose there, uh, then our foundation has to be on Christ. He has to be our purpose. There are many things that people find purpose in. Some people find purpose in wealth or fame or status or academics or position on a team. Some find purpose and ambition. And even as we think about ambition, the tower continues to grow tall because that's what ambition does is it gets you striving 
to have the appearance that things are growing and things are growing, going great. But the tower grows taller and the structure continues to erode. If Christ is our priority, then he should also be our purpose. And so then no matter what season you're in, our purpose can be found in being a follower of Jesus and everything else is secondary. I want you to consider my life as an example for just a moment. Some of you might say, well, your purpose in life is to be a pastor. Maybe some of you would put spiritual language to it and you would say, it's clear that the calling of God on your life, your primary calling is to be a pastor. And while that might sound good and it might sound spiritual, it's completely inaccurate. My primary purpose and my primary calling is to be a follower of Jesus. Your primary purpose, your primary calling is to be a follower of Jesus. Can you imagine how awful of a pastor I would be if I didn't have a relationship with Jesus? Right? He's my purpose. Our primary identity and purpose has to be in our relationship with Jesus. What I do is secondary to who I am. Paul writes that to live is Christ. What a joy that to live is Christ, how much more joyful it is when our purpose is less about our doing and more about our being. And if we're not careful, our relationship with Jesus will be all about what we do for him rather than being in him. And it's an easy trap for us to fall into and at different seasons of my life, it's been a trap that I've fallen into. And so if someone were to ask you this question today, how are you in Jesus? I would anticipate that maybe some of you in this room would go, oh, we're good, you know, like I signed up for men's of iron Bible studies. I signed up for the small groups. I signed up for this. I signed up for that. I served in the nursery. I read my Bible this morning. I read my Bible yesterday morning. I got up early for the last four weeks to run the production for the church or be on the worship team. Oh, me and Jesus are good. Can I just tell you that the marker of our relationship with Jesus is not about our doing, it's about our being and how freeing that is. Jesus is more concerned with us being than doing. Now, as followers of Jesus, as we're in him, then it's gonna cause our heart to wanna serve him and wanna do for him, but that can't be the foundation. Our foundation is solidified when Jesus is our perfect, when Jesus is our purpose. And the comforting thing is when seasons change, when job transitions happen, when family dynamics change, we're still followers of him. Jesus must be our priority. He must be our purpose. And finally, he must be our passion. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is approached and he's asked these questions. And the reason why he's asked these questions is because they liked his previous answers. And so they ask him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. To build on a strong foundation, Jesus must be our passion. We must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We must love him with an undivided heart, with our whole heart. Half-hearted devotion erodes the foundation. Again, as we think about the responsibility of our own life, of our faith, and we think about the responsibility as we disciple our kids, when Jesus is not our number one passion, 
right? When we've elevated something above Jesus, the Bible calls that idolatry. You wanna erode the foundation of your faith, serve another God other than him. You wanna see the faith of your children eroded? Prioritize another passion above him. And the foundation begins to become unstable. We must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Talked about earlier how this is a great time for us to evaluate where we're at, to take an inventory. I just wonder if we were to answer the question truthfully this morning, what are we most passionate about? I think one way that we could answer that question is what do we talk about the most? Like, and what we talk about the most is probably demonstrates what is at the top of our passion list. So how can this next season have purpose? Let's spend more time talking about Jesus and talking about his word. Let's do that with one another. Let's do that with our coworkers and our fellow classmates and with our kids. There are things that we're passionate about that if you open the door for me to begin talking about it, I'm just, I could go on for days. Right, you mentioned my family to me and you open up that door. I'm passionate about my family. I'm gonna talk about them. Y'all, I almost crushed my family's heart yesterday because you talk about another passion. My wife loves her dog. You get her started talking about that dog and she could talk for days. Well, yesterday, a moment almost changed everything. I decided to take the dog on the jet ski. He has a life jacket and he can swim. And there's a little handle that I can hold on to him. And he was doing so good. So I let the little turd loose. <laughs> and we were good. 30 miles per hour down the river. He decided he wanted to come to my right-hand side. That's okay. He walks around the jet ski, comes and puts his little butt up against my leg. We're riding good until we weren't. Until I looked down and my dog's not there. And I thought, did he come to this side? Nope, he's not there. Is he on my backside? Nope, he's not. Am I sitting on him? No, he's not there. Y'all, my dog decided to bail off the jet ski. I am scanning the surface of the water and I cannot find my dog. I look on the bank, I can't find my dog. Y'all, I can't go home. I've got a fish finder on the jet ski. There's a giant blob eight foot deep in the river and I'm like, that's my dog. I can't dive eight foot deep to rescue this dog and I can't go home without him. There were some friends on the water. I called Jim White. I said, Jim, my dog bailed off the jet ski. He said, ha ha. I said, no bro. Like he bailed and I can't find him. He comes whisking around the river and comes around the bend and he's looking on the shore up at Nestle Bank up high and he's pointing and I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, there's my dog. I can go home. You know, I think about our foundation of faith and isn't, that what happens sometimes like we're looking down and we're looking all around for the signs of life and we can't find it. 
and we're trying to solve earthly problems with, with earthly means. And the Holy Spirit's saying to us, look up. Look up and let me solve the earthly problems with spiritual answers. Guys, if our foundation is built on our own ambition, our own priorities, our own passions, if it's built on our own purpose, then the building of faith is gonna collapse. But when we look up and we build our foundation on Him when the wind blows, when the rain falls, when the wind comes, because it's going to, our foundation is on Jesus. Y'all, you talk to me about boating and open up that door, I'm in on the conversation. You mentioned fishing or hunting, I'll talk to you for days. There's nothing wrong with that. But how much do we talk about Jesus? How much do we talk about his word? How much do we talk about the foundation that our life is built on? So I'll tell you, hunting, fishing, loving every day will make some great memories, but it's not gonna change lives. But loving Jesus and sharing Jesus will. This morning, what are you allowing to erode away at the foundation of your faith? Is Jesus your priority? Is he your purpose? Is he your passion? Parents, is Jesus your priority? Is he your purpose? Is he your passion? Are you doing all that you can to disciple your kids so that Jesus is their priority and their purpose and their passion? Because I'm telling you, the rain's gonna fall on your kids. The flood's gonna come, the wind is gonna blow. And if all you've done is poked holes in your house of faith and it's grown taller, but you've not solidified the foundation, then it's just one more push. that leaves it crashing to the ground. Look, I don't want the picture of that house and I don't want this image to be what happens to any of us in this room. So how do we make this season count? We make sure that we build our house of faith on the foundation of Jesus. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've not had him be the foundation of your life and you say, today I wanna enter into a relationship with him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but, but different things have poked and, and prodded and, and poked holes in your house of faith. And you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. I need him to rebulk up my foundation. Maybe there are others of you who are children of wrath and you say, today I wanna move from being a child of wrath to becoming a child of God. Children of wrath are on a path to destruction. They're on a path to hell, but Jesus has come that we might have everlasting life. And so you say, today I wanna move from the path of destruction and the path of hell to the path of life with an eternity with Jesus in heaven. Just a moment, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, I want you to slip up your hands all across this room. One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand, you can put it down. Two, are there others this morning? 
Let's all stand. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king. Take over every area, take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raise your hand and prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We wanna encourage you in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. I'm gonna lead us in prayer. The worship team is gonna lead us in another song. And as they do, the prayer team is gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. And parents, I would encourage you today if your kids are in this room with you, why don't, why don't you make your way to the front in a moment? And why don't you have someone pray with you for your kids this year, that this year would be the best academic year that they've ever had. If y'all wanna come forward for prayer and your parents aren't here, that's fine too. Come forward and let people pray over you today. I love what Jim did to me yesterday when he pointed up and he said, look up, there it is. And that's what I believe that this message is for all of you today, for those who are anxious about the school year, for those who are anxious about this session, this season, man, look up, look up. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a solid and a firm foundation and that you are trustworthy and that we can build our house of faith on you. Lord, for those this morning who have built their house of faith on shifting sand, who have allowed things to come into their life to chip away at the house of faith, Lord, I pray that today would be a moment where you would bring restoration and healing, Lord, that people would purpose in their hearts this morning to build their house of faith on you, the firm foundation. Lord, as students and teachers and administrators and staff go back to school this week, God, we pray that you would help them to let their light shine bright. That with their coworkers and with their fellow students, that they would be able to point to them to look up in moments of despair, in moments when demonic ideologies are presented, that people would look at them and say, look up, look to the one who gives life, look to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So God, this fall, this academic fall semester, Lord, we pray that it would be marked with a greater sense of your spirit's presence and power in our lives. We pray for spiritual growth that over time, even as those, as people around us don't see it, that it would just continue to build and build until one day we look and we go, God, look at what you've done. And so God, this morning, we've looked at the foundation in the coming weeks. We're gonna look at the building blocks of our faith. 
Lord, I pray that as we make you the priority, as we make you the purpose, and as we make you our passion, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.